concerned about June 30th because they're USDA reports. I'm concerned that between now and then we got farmers sitting on basis contracts that are going to have to price them or roll them. And I think a lot of them will opt to price instead of rolling. So I think we have that. And I think we have a situation where the weather forecast doesn't appear threatening enough to me to support prices. And in terms of China demand news, I think there is possibilities that they could announce some, you know, uh, TRQ import quota levels, but even that doesn't re- uh, translate to an immediate sale. So when I look at the next nine days, the one thing I'm concerned about is a lack of a reason and a storyline to build upside momentum in a marketplace that has acted like it's restricted and resistant to anything to go to the upside. And proof of that, I'm saying uh, we're only 19 and three quarters cents off contract lows in these corn. And considering we've had some weather storylines to maybe give it a boost, that's a pathetic performance. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the AgView Pitch. Today you have Shea Folk and Dwayne Lowry with your Sunday night market outlook. And how are things in your area, Dwayne? Uh, good, Shay. Um, it's uh, Father's Day, and as a father, you're, everybody's... Uh, thankful for the uh family and and uh it's a special day for 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 those kind of reasons absolutely and hopefully a lot of the fathers listening today are enjoying some beers and lots and family time and when they wake up tomorrow it'll be back to back to the farming side of things and might have some questions on markets and maybe what they should be thinking about in the week ahead so you and I were just talking about here uh offline on something that might seem a little bit surprising to people. Uh, but on the top of your mind, or one of the thoughts is looking at 2021 crop year uh, for new crop, right? Uh, the crop that you're going to plant in the spring there. And people might think you're a little bit crazy looking that far out. So what's on your mind there, Dwayne? Well, Shay, I'm trying to uh, move the calendar ahead only a few months, and I'm picturing a time frame somewhere between September and January where people have to sit down with their banker and do cash flow projections for the 21 crop year and and start to line up uh, financing for that. And if prices in the nearby are under pressure from a a good crop, a normal crop, um, a crop that people have concerns about carry out being 3 billion bushels or more and prices happen to get depressed, so far, we don't have a, in any safety net on the 21 crop. We don't have a crop insurance product that is, is yet available. And uh, what if we have this year's Dece corn, Dece 20, trading sub $3 and 50 cents lower than where it is right now, and you got Dece 21 trading at 340 or less, and all of a sudden you got to use a cash bid on a cash flow projection that's getting close to $3 for the 21 crop, I don't think that's going to be a very pleasant uh, conversation with the banker. And uh, to avoid that, um, I think there uh, might be merit in uh, making some sales on this 21 crop, which you've got these 21 settled Friday at 373.5. You go out to July of 22, that contract settled at 392.5. There might be some merit in having some sales on the books at those kind of levels 
So when you sit down and have that difficult conversation with a banker where there's not a lot of profit to be seen and, and maybe it's difficult to project a positive cash flow, there might be a, a lot of advantage in having these sales on the books that might make that conversation go a lot better. A lot better. In the case of the 20 crop, what's is growing in the field now, there, depending on what crop insurance policy you picked for the 2020 crop, you're either already getting protection as prices go down, or as these corn gets below 330, you got price protection through an 85% RP, and if it gets below 310, you got a protection on an 80% RP. Well, there is no safety net out there in the 21. So um, with the prices that are out there, I think there's merit that it at least is worthy of a discussion and the, the greater concern you have about having that conversation with the banker for the 21 crop year, um, if prices are very depressed at harvest time, then I would say the greater that concern is, the greater interest there might be and merit there might be in having some sales on the books for 21. So that, that's the reason. And, Dwayne, you asked me some really good questions when we were talking about East 20 new crop here a little while ago on if you're thinking of making some sales at this point, uh, what are your reasons, why, and in what amounts? So I'm going to, you know, flip the tables on you here. You know, what, what kind of percentages, you know, how much are you thinking that producers should maybe consider for that time frame? Obviously, it's pertinent to their cash flow and their operation, but any, any thoughts on that? Well, there's a lot of variables, of course, and, um, you know, to really get the – the value out of uh, that discussion that almost needs to take place on an individual level. But if you talk about it in overall, let's say a producer is in a position where he can't store his entire crop or he doesn't want to store his entire crop. He wants to make sales at harvest time. Uh, and let's say that he has an 85% RP policy. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you've got these, 20 futures right now settle at 345. At 330 and less, his 85% RP policy begins to offer him some revenue protection based off of uh, uh, price alone and based off an assumption that you're going to get a normal APH yield. If um, you end up with a larger yield, of course, then you're getting still getting the revenue protection but you might not get it because of price or just get it because of your extra bushels. But using that as kind of a baseline here for this discussion, the reason that you would consider making sales is if you were confident about your own crop, your own production in your area, you had an expectation that uh, December corn was going to be, futures were going to be below 330 and we were going to have an abundance of supply. And even if we had some new demand show up, we'd still have a very plentiful supply situation. The advantage of making the sale now would be that the value of your physical crop that you grow stops going down in value, at least on those bushels that you make that sale. But as the prices go down, your potential of getting a uh, indemnity payment through your crop insurance because of price goes up. So as that goes up and your price stays same for on those physical bushels, your overall revenue goes up. So that's the motive for making that decision. If you make that decision and the market turns around and for some unknown reason, either weather problems from July 1 forward or new demand that's massively more than we expected, and suddenly prices, 
let's just say to exaggerate to get the point across, suddenly these corns trading at four dollars. Well, now you've made a sale at a price that really doesn't work, and you knew it didn't work as a standalone sale, but you made the sale in hopes that as prices went down, if they went down, that you would end up getting a larger insurance uh, indemnity check. So the risk in making the sales is the, 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 the price of your corn doesn't go up, therefore it wasn't enough revenue. You no longer have a crop insurance check in play because of because of uh, the uh, price. And the other thing that everybody is um, somewhat hoping, hoping uh, through anticipation or expectation is that there will be some sort of a, a government support payment on the table for 2020 that we don't know about right now. What, what if prices were to surprise everybody and go to $4, then that scenario is out of, out of play also. And so, you know, may, that's why making a sale here isn't without risk, but it is something that, you know, I know people are considering. So that's kind of what that was about. Right. And one, one other thing that ties into that, with the Chinese trade agreement right now, there's a lot of um, skepticism and pessimism as far as that purchase, you know, those purchase amounts that were agreed upon to be fulfilled. When you look at trend lines, we're historically uh, much farther behind than we should be on that purchasing uh, from China. And, you know, definitely it's not beyond measure to think that those could bleed into 2021. So if you look at uh, potential payments, uh, aside from insurance, on your revenue protection strictly if we do get some sort of additional program uh, mfp quote on quote 2.0 however that looks um there you know there could even be ramifications building onto that for new crop of 2021 correct possibly but as prices go up there'll be a tendency for more optimism of equal or even larger acres in 21 and equal acres right now unless demand changes significantly and a normal crop we are producing depending on how you want to look at it and how you plug in demand we're producing 600 uh, million to a billion bushels more corn than what the market consumes in a, in a year so um, to get um, prices for the 21 crop to go up very much it's going to be difficult. Could could those prices go up 10 to 20 cents? Yes. But if there's a reason for new crop 21 to be going up 20 cents, there must be a reason in the front end for it to be going up 50 or 60 cents. And so mm -hmm. um, the the back end, the 21, will have somewhat of a ceiling on it where the volatility is going to be in, in the nearby, and uh, that will work both ways. If we have conditions that as time goes by that we are dealing with, you know, uh, normal or a record yield potential, um, the old crop 20, 20 crop is price is going to weaken more rapidly than the, the uh, 21 crop is going to weaken. So I see the 21 crop is acting more like the gate post and the volatility of the unknown, whether it's demand or a production threat, will be the swinging gate here for the 20 20 crop season and so I find value in having that price locked in on bushels that you can go show your banker that you might be able to cash flow current 21 prices that are offered but if we get a dump in the corn market because everything ends up being favorable for the 2020 crop 
and China's buying, even if it comes, happens to be delayed until harvest time, we might have we might be dealing with prices that are looking really, really bad. And we'll have a banker that's dealing with situations that may not be your situation, but in, influences how he looks at your operation. And therefore, I think there might be value uh, at least worthy of consideration for making those 21 sales now so that conversation goes a lot easier. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, lots of good stuff there for farmers to consider looking out to 2021. Any any last thoughts on that uh, next year outlook there, Dwayne? No, I don't. No, I don't think so. I just want it to be on people's radar, and I want them to look at it from the perspective of one: how does the price look right now? Is that livable in price? If things in the overall ag economy doesn't look good, is is that livable? And I also want them to imagine what that conversation looks like whenever they have it with their banker talking about the 2021 cash flow projections if they uh, are also dealing with a very depressed uh, nearby cash corn price at that time and and look at the price that the, the banker might force him to use um, in that cash flow. And I think if you can avoid that, worst case scenario, there might be value in that for certain operations and maybe all operations. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's flip a little bit to um, a basis discussion. And as I was outlining to you in, in my area here in Northwest Illinois, on uh, river market, we actually have some regions that are doing pretty well, historically well on, on basis, uh, looking at one or two under, or even a little bit over on these 20 delivery on corn, and there's some areas, as you mentioned, that uh, bids right now are, are not great, you know, 25, 30, more under in different areas of the country. So let's look at that on both sides of the coin. If you're in a position right now where you have a strong basis in uh, these 20 or even further out, you know, looking into 21, or if you're in an area that has really poor basis, what are some considerations um, for those for those producers, Dwayne? Well, you're correct in um, uh, saying there's two complete different scenarios out here. There are some areas that are getting very good new crop basis, as you describe in yours, and you got other areas that are maybe their bid is based more off the ethanol industry. They're getting new crop basis bids and built in that just are not attractive. So let's deal with the first. Let's say you're dealing with something in your area that you've got, you know, something better than normal it would seem to me to be very tempting to want to capture that while it's offered and because we're all of us are dealing with the backdrop that at the present time with 70% of the U.S. corn crop rated good to excellent, just having some rains, not every location getting the rain they desire, but having some rain, there's still areas in the eastern Midwest that are supposed to get rains over the next three days. We have Longer range maps that do show heat, but they don't show a blocking pattern of precip. So there's not a glaring weather problem that may be market sensitive. It may be sensitive to crops in a particular region of, you know, your own crops in a certain region, but it may not be um, market sensitive in terms of, you know, significantly reducing carryout projections. So all of us are dealing with that situation that produces a $3 billion carryout or maybe more. And... It's very tempting, or it would seem to me to be very tempting to want to lock in that new crop basis in that instant. 
if you're mm-hmm. in an area where you've got only ethanol and your current new crop bids don't look that attractive, first of all, put yourself in the ethanol plant's point of view. They've probably been closed, haven't had a bid, they're just coming online now, or they're starting to build a little confidence that they can put out a new crop bid. And so they're going to be very protective and not have the greatest bid out there. Um, And so that's not very tempting to make that sale because you're in that situation, you're hoping that something comes along to help the ethanol industry build their confidence to where they can be more aggressive or there's some Chinese business that creates more demand for physical grain to be moving through the pipeline. And so the current river new crop bids, which are better than the current new crop ethanol bids, carry more weight and force the ethanol to come up. And so that guy that only has the ethanol bid and he's looking at normal or something less than normal for new crop basis, you know, he doesn't have much incentive to make those sales. But if you're fortunate enough to be in an area where the basis is bids offered now for new crop are better than normal, I think the temptation seems real and justified to be getting some of that locked in. I agree. Really good points there on basis. I appreciate you addressing that. And, you know, one thing that you touched on there, too, is weather. And, you know, we've we've talked to clients kind of all over the Corn Belt here the last week, week and a half, and uh, I know areas in Indiana and Ohio are uh, bagging for some rain out there, and, of course, rain events are very regional this time of year. But as you mentioned, um, even with some of those poor-looking crop conditions in those area, it's probably pretty regional. And with the forecast, um, hopefully getting some rain to the producers, farmers out there that are listening today, uh, we, we do hope some rain gets your way. Um, at this point, the effects that it has on overall yield, overall production for the year are not really anything to uh, write home about in terms of market moves or any sort of market events. And I don't know of anything else weather-related that would do that. Do you, Dwayne? Well, I think it's um, always important to look at weather from the perspective of what is our backdrop. If we had a backdrop carryout of a billion five for old crop and the new crop per carry out projection if everything worked good on all cylinders was going to be 1.8 billion and you had the potential of some new demand from China that you haven't seen in recent years, then every weather problem becomes more larger and the weight that you give to the unknown potential of a weather problem to yet occur is more significant. Given our current backdrop where you got two point whatever billion carry out for old crop and now you're talking about three billion plus for new crop, mm-hmm. the the belief that there's some flexibility that we can give up a problem in a certain area and it still won't impact the market, then all of a sudden, you know, these near term weather concerns that the spots in the eastern Midwest that do miss out rains or or only get a half inch you know, it just doesn't carry as much weight from a market perspective. And the last thing I would say to to uh, maybe draw that point is over the last couple of weeks, we've had days where we've had weather storylines that seemed somewhat threatening that the market should respond to. But I think it was the 8th or 9th day of June that the corn market topped out and it's been going sideways during all that. We couldn't even get a weather rally out of that. 
in the last few days of last week, we had some bearish slants to the weather, and the market, you know, kind of held its own and, and brushed off some weaker trade during the day and then finished higher. But we still didn't make a new high. And at the end of the day, these corn settled Friday at 345 and a quarter. That is a mere 19 and, a half, 19 and three quarters cents off contract lows. So think of that. You're, despite several weeks of ter, ter, possibly building a weather storyline of dryness, possibly having rumors of Chinese business coming sometime in the future, and we're 19 and three quarters cents off the low. That that's, doesn't seem like very much, and that's a very poor performance if you look at it from that perspective. And then you have to look at it from this perspective. A lot of times here around the 20th of June, the marketplace wants to say the crop is in good shape and it's somewhat made and it acts that way. How many years haven't people sat at, in June 20th, thought we had a, some sort of a weather problem, held on to that, you know, possible possibility out there at, at the end of the stick, like a carrot at the end of the stick, only to end up at the end of August being disappointed and find out that the market didn't respond. And, and when you look back, you find out, shoot, this thing was over on the 20th of June. I just didn't want to give up hope that maybe there was more rally ahead. That's happened many, many years, and I'm not even talking about last year. Last year was kind of an exception. But there are many other years where this time of frame of year that has happened. And when you got a backdrop of a, and a very plentiful or excessive old crop carryout and a new crop carryout that might increase by as much as a billion bushels, then – um, it's difficult to get a, a weather rally uh, from here forward without some major threat, and I don't see that major threat right now. So it's very concerning, and, and um, if the marketplace decides to look at it that way and, and see these rains in the forecast and see the possibility of not having a blocking pattern out there, um, maybe we're underestimating how much near-term weakness might develop in these markets because we've been put to sleep by the uh, passive sideways trade of the last several days, and maybe we, we're uh, led to believe that the market won't care if the crop is, you know, continues to be 70% good and excellent. And I'm afraid that the calendar, each day we get past the 20th of June, it increases the chance that the marketplace will view the landscape as being non-threatening and lead to more selling. And the last thing I would say in regards to that is, um, right or wrong, the farmer has made very little sales on, on new crop. Um, and we get to the point here, he might tip the scale and say, I might as well make some sales now and then hope that my crop insurance come through or hope that government payments come through, but I'm going to need cash flow. And, and uh, you know, we, we are at these points on the calendar where, the farmer starts to become more comfortable with his own crop. If you're in a dry area in eastern Illinois, you're not feeling good about the price. You're not feeling happy with how the market's not listening to your problems, and uh, you're concerned about your own production. If you're in some place in the western part of the Midwest and your crop is the point where the, the plants reach its nitrogen, it looks great, you've had some rains, you know, you're trying to anticipate what am I going to do with all these bushels? So everybody's got a different situation, but I'm afraid that we might be, we meaning the entire marketplace, might be underestimating how much weakness could occur 
before prices get to a level where China might decide they uh, are getting a bargain and want to make that purchase. So that's a great segue into the last question that I have, Dwayne, and that is in the week ahead, if you have one thing that you're looking out for, uh, whether that's news from China or whatever else it may be, obviously not really any of the weather events we're discussing, you got one thing that you're maybe looking for in the week ahead? Well, I'll stretch it out to uh, um, nine days into the future, and, okay. and I w- I'll, I'll make the one thing more of a gen- general background statement. I'm concerned about June 30th because of USDA reports. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned that between now and then we got farmers sitting on basis contracts that are going to have to price them or roll them, and I think a lot of them will opt to price instead of rolling. So I think we have that. And I think we have a situation where the weather forecast doesn't appear threatening enough to me to support prices. And in terms of China demand news, I think there is possibilities that they could announce some, you know, uh, TRQ import quota levels. But even that doesn't uh, translate to an immediate sale. So when I look at the next nine days, the one thing I'm concerned about is a lack of a reason and a storyline to build upside momentum in a marketplace that has acted like it's restricted and resistant to anything to go to the upside. And proof of that, I'm saying uh, we're only 19 and three-quarter cents off contract lows in these corn. And considering we've had some weather storylines to maybe give it a boost, that's a pathetic performance. So my concern, the one thing I would have is, my concern is we might all be underestimating how much risk we might have going into these USDA reports. And, uh, you know, there's always a chance that something comes out of their bullish, but I'm afraid that we, we get something that's going to be labeled as expected. And there again, we're, we throw that in the pile of not something bullish enough to generate a price rally. And, and uh, we are in a time frame on the calendar where, pessimism, negativity, and willingness to embrace variousness uh, tends to escalate if we don't have a problem. So the one thing I would be saying is I don't think we have a problem in front of us for the next two weeks. Gotcha. Not not the, uh, not the necessarily an optimistic outlook, not necessarily a pessimistic outlook, uh, just reality, and I think that's the right place to end today's conversation, Dwayne. I really appreciate uh the discussion. I appreciate the outlook and the perspective that you provide to the uh, farmers and listeners out there. Hope you had a great Father's Day, and uh, we look forward to talking to you later on this week, Dwayne. All right. Thank you very much, Shay. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the AgView Pitch. Happy Father's Day to all of you, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the AgView Pitch. As always, you can reach out to us at cbaron at agviewsolutions.com or Dwayne L at netends.net. We'll catch you next time on the AgView Pitch.